I had to do what I had to do to survive. It got to the point where um, I would sell my body just to have money to eat. Why is he sending you a dick pic? And I just kept getting higher and higher and higher. Actually, I got caught up and I went to jail and I got charged with felony embezzlement. Uh, two counts. So how is sex now in sobriety? It's now! <laughs> I pray. You know, um, that was, six and seven were the most difficult steps that I endured. Um, my favorite step is step 11. We sought through prayer and meditation um, to essentially get closer to our higher power. And so um, I do a lot of meditation. How in the fuck did I do that when before, when I wanted to, I just couldn't. But then one day I could and I did. That's not my power. That is God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. No more drugs and no more alcohol. I know that's right. We is live and in color all the way from Tempe, Arizona. And I have a very, very special guest with me today. I have my girl. Tiffany, first of all, how do you like AZ so far? Because I, I know this is your first time here. I love it. Um, it's absolutely phenomenal. Amazing views. Um, it's definitely a great way to get reconnected with my higher power. It's been great. You guys have been so welcoming. I can't wait to come back. I love it. Yeah, because we went to the Grand Canyon. So was I that wasn't something spiritual? Not impressed? I wasn't impressed. <laughs> I was more impressed. Where did we go? Dobbins We went lookout. to Dobbins Lookout. Yes, that was really nice. Yeah, that was that was dope. Yeah. We, we did a lot of things. And I want to say, I know I already told you, like, I had a blast. I haven't had this much fun in a hot minute. Like, we, we've been singing. Yeah. We've been dancing. Whipping out titties. Like, I feel like, I'm going to sound really cheesy, but I feel like you brought out my my inner child. Like, Aww, I was like, baby. We're just fucking around. Like, I felt like I was in high school all over again. Um, so thank you so much for coming. Thank you. And um, Thanks for having me. I'm honored. I'm honored that you sit right next to me. Yes. So, I'm, so I feel like you're down with the hot questions, right? We were just talk, what we're talking about right now. We're talking about dicks vaginas and um but there was a question before that what was i asking her crack cocaine crack cocaine um maybe you can speak what was it what did i ask her right now it was something like i don't know i don't remember anyway talk about something like she was she wanted a ride something i was i was talking to brandon about uh he was talking about white raft writing or you know that white people stuff whoosh whoosh <laughs> and i was like i'm gonna do that on your dick so it's a sound effects for me whoosh whoosh oh, oh, oh. She, she's she is everything she's my my spirit vibe she loves the, the same type of man i like <laughs> uh she's very passionate in sex right absolutely so how is sex now in sobriety um you know, at first it was a little bit jarring because I felt like I absolutely had to be under the influence um, to have sex. I felt like I always had to smoke a blunt or be drunk. When I did meth, I didn't really like to be touched. But um, I've been sober for almost two years now, so it's definitely um, it's definitely gotten better. Um, I'm in love, actually. And uh, hi, Brandon. And... Um, it's just really phenomenal. It's just a feeling that just doesn't compare to being under the influence of drugs and alcohol. So it's it's great now, honestly. It is pretty cool because you can literally feel everything. Yes. So definitely. what is your sobriety date? Um, I have been sober since June 23rd of 2020. Damn, girl, that's a long ass time. It is a long time. Only by the grace of God. So is this your first time trying to get sober? Or? Absolutely not. I have been a member of both Narcotics Anonymous and Alcoholics Anonymous since about January of 2015. So this is not the first time. Um, but you know what? That's okay. It takes what it takes to take. And um, I needed those experiences in order for my sobriety to truly count now. So... So would it be safe to say that you're working a 12-step program? I am working a 12-step program. And how has that been? 
It's been a phenomenal eye-opening experience. I mean, it's been... Honestly, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Can I cuss? You sure can, girl. Oh, shit. Well, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything, but, you know, just um, having that spiritual awakening, um, realizing that I, I never really have the power to stop being on drugs and alcohol, that only my higher power had that power to, to stop me in my tracks with his grace. Um, just realizing all that and, and shedding away the layers of all the pain and shame and guilt that keeps us out was just amazing. And, and now, you know, I've actually finished my first round of steps um, in March. And so now I get to pass this along to other people because that's what's, what it's about. In order for me to even have completed a first step, my sponsor had to finish her 12th step. And so I finished my 12th step so that I can pass this along to others. You know, something that Oxford House has taught me is replication, you know. So I'm, I'm recreating, I'm giving back what's been so freely given to me. And it's just such an honor and a blessing to take people um, through this journey as I'm being taken through, so. It really is, girl, because even like riding with you on the streets, <laughs> Shamelessly, I was thinking about like, damn, if me and this bitch were drinking, like, oh my God. <laughs> like you are so fun. So I, it's not to glamorize alcohol, but obviously mm-hmm. when we doing some shit like that, it, it can get a little too fun and a little too lit, and it kind of gave me that vibe. But it was like such a free, free fucking moment, and it was so much fun. So before I get into anything else, I kind of want to know more about all the way back, right? Like, so your childhood. So okay. can you just talk about that? Um, okay, well, I was born in the Bronx, New York. Then we moved to Queens when I was 11. Um, I come from a single parent household. It was just my mom. Growing up, my father wasn't really in the picture. Um, my mom, she suffers from a lot of mental ailments. And do I look at the camera or are you? Doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. If you want to get the point across is what I do. Okay. Thank you. But I'm, I'm not well versed in this, so okay. So um, <laughs> I love you. I love you too. Mm. Um, but yeah, my mother suffered from a lot of mental ailments, and so I was abused mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, verbally um, for many, many years to the point where um, I ended up in foster care, and so. Um, How I ended up in foster care was I ended up being truant, um, running away from home, not going to school and whatever. And so then I went into foster care from about 12 to the ages of uh, 12 to 18. And it was a really hard experience. Um, I was in a lot of group homes. Um, I fought a lot. I was a very angry child. Um, I didn't understand why my dad wasn't around why my mom just couldn't love me. Um, I'm an only child, I don't have any siblings, and so I just couldn't understand why my parents, who were supposed to love me, don't. And so that natural progression to pick up that first drink and that first drug, which was weed and alcohol, naturally, um, was just, it was just kind of like it was meant to be. Ironically enough, I am the only um, addict on my mom's side, for sure. I'm not sure about my dad's side, but um, uh, essentially, I drink because I like the effects that alcohol produced. Same with weed. I enjoyed that that high feeling. And um, I just took off with it. It became uh, a constant source of comfort. I mean, I was a really, I was a really uh, troubled teenager. Um, I did really good in school. I got really good grades. I was popular. I was a theater kid, you know. Um, I like being in the spotlight. I'm, I wasn't shy. I'm not shy now, <laughs> but uh, definitely wasn't shy. And so, you know, I had my core little group of friends, and I and I excelled in school, but. Um, um, deep down inside, it was I was just a scared little girl. I didn't know what I was doing. All I know is that the effects of alcohol created like this persona in me in which um, I could really come out and just be 10 feet tall and bulletproof. And so um, 
yeah, so I graduated high school. Um, I ended up getting hit by a car my senior year of high school while I was crossing the street. I had the right away when a car hit me on my back and um, I ended up suing the guy and I got, this was when I was 17. And so when I was 18, I got some money and so then by this time, um, I'm running with a different crowd. I'm running with the crowd that's doing pills, that's doing heroin and stuff and partying. And so um, these people really latched on to me once they learned that I got a, a great amount of money. And so all I've ever wanted was love and acceptance. You know, I really latch on to, to people. If you're my friend, you're like my family. Like for real, for real. And, and essentially I felt that little did I know that they just wanted me because I, I had money. And so, um, I got introduced to sex, drugs and rock and roll. Um, lots of partying, lots of clubbing, lots of cocaine, lots of heroin use. Um, I got shot up a few times, lots of vomiting, Oh man, lot lots of lots of partying, lots of partying. Yeah, and um I got strung out. Um I got super high. I spent all that money, all the friends disappeared, and uh I ended up being homeless on the streets of New York City. And um I had to do what I had to do to survive. You know, it got to the point where um I would sell my body just to have money to eat. You know, like I would be sleeping on park benches and stuff and I was just too ashamed to reach out for help. And so then one day, um, it's the summer of 2011, it's about July-ish, um, I had a family member from Kansas reach out and call me and ask me how I was doing. And I just, you know, felt it in my heart to truly tell her that I'm not doing good, you know, please help me. And so that's how I move, end up ended up moving to Topeka, Kansas. And so I moved to Topeka and I stayed abstinent for about a year and a half. Um, I became a Jehovah's Witness. Wow. Yeah. I was the door knocking, you know, can I talk to you about Jesus? You know, I've had a, <laughs> I've had a gun in my face before from my preaching and um, I became a good girl, you know, um, I got sober. And how old were you when this was going on? 19. I was 19. Was 19 having a Jehovah Witness gig? Yes. And not doing no drugs once you moved to the No. Pika? No. Okay. And so I was I was good, you know. I started going to college. Um, I worked at the Kansas Children's Discovery Center. First I was a volunteer. And then I was a floor manager. And um, then I met a guy. Mm. His name was Crack. Really? Yes. It was, <laughs> yes. Like, was it really crack? Yeah, it was really. His name was Jesse. Oh, okay. I really, I shouldn't say his name. Well, we'll bleep it out. His name was Beep. But anyways, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a hit of my vape. Girl, go ahead. So how was crack? Like, how did he look like? Um, The man or the drug? The man. Six feet, light skin abusive mm. <clears throat> excuse me and so crack was horrible it was the worst high of my life it gave me migraines but mm. i did it anyways you know what did you feel that first time you so you did crack for the first time in kansas yes i did can you take me back to that moment like what you felt where you were at um, I was living, we were living in the projects, um, Jackson Towers of Topeka, Kansas. I'm so sorry, Topeka has an authority. I did pay them back though. Um, and, um, you know, I was just sucking on this pipe and I was scared, but I was like, I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be accepted and I wanted him to love me. And so I figured that my pussy and doing this with him would equal love and acceptance and so I just felt like this rush, like this tangle up my arms all the way up the side of my neck to the very tippy top of my head. And I like my lips just went numb. And it was just like this rushing in my chest and in my heart. And I just felt like everything was gonna explode. I felt like I was blowing up like a blowfish. And I stayed like that for about five minutes and then 
It's like this eerie beeping, you know, when there's like an explosion or something, and it's like, I had that, and then I had this intense migraine, and then I was gone. I did it again and again, and those, uh, I kept chasing that one moment. You know, us as drug addicts and alcoholics, um, we essentially, we keep chasing this high, you know, we have this combination, like, okay, if I'm high off a meth for three days, and I pop some Xannies, and I drink this bottle of Captain Morgan's, you know, I'm in this, like, euphoria, right? And so I want to keep chasing this, but I will never feel that feeling ever again. And so that was my experience with crack cocaine. Fucking intense. I, yeah. I felt that way with opiates. Yeah. Like I always wanted that 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 first time was really what made it it everything for me. And like I constantly kept like trying to get it every time. Yes. And it was never meeting that expectation. So, so. I did more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And then I did other things. Um me and Jesse didn't work out. Bleep him out again, please. You and crack didn't work out. Me and crack didn't work out. It just got too expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowds that it got me around was just really uh, disgusting. Cockroaches mm. and fiends and just um, levels of degradation that um, even though I had experienced on like a, a solo basis, I didn't want to experience around other people because of my pride and ego. And so um, we met another guy. I'm not going to name his name, but let's just call him Meth. 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 And so me and Meth didn't last that long, but um, I figured out my own hustle. And so I used to work in a quick shop in North Topeka, Kansas. Um, Well, let me backtrack a little. Um, I was, so I said I was a Jehovah's Witness, right? So me and Crack were going along and um, I lived a double life. And so um, I would show up to these meetings so fucking blasted. It was so embarrassing. Wait, you was cracked out as a Jehovah's Witness? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Fuck yeah. It's Praise just, the Lord. Happy Easter. Can you give us an impression of how you would show up? What, like, would you go like, knock on all these bitches' doors? No, <laughs> I would show up to the Kingdom Hall. Oh. All cracked What out. is the Kingdom Hall for the people like me that don't? It's play? like a church, but it's a, it's a building. It's a meeting hall in which, you know... They come together and they praise Jehovah. It doesn't have any windows because you don't want to get distracted. You ever notice when you drive past a meeting hall of the Jehovah's Witness, look and see that they don't have windows. So you're not distracted by the real world. That's intense. It is. So you was cracked um, out in the dark. Um, There were lights on inside, <laughs> Ronnie. <laughs> Hello. We paid our bills, Jehovah. <laughs> Sorry, girl. I don't know a lot of things, and I definitely don't know about the Jehovah Witness practice. But that sounds relatable because a lot of people hold down jobs, or you know, addiction doesn't really have a face necessarily. Doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're at, it will get you. So I just thought it was really interesting that you were a part of the Jehovah Witness tribe. And yes. So I got this fellowship. I got, which means I got excommunicated from the flock. Oh shit, did they find out or what? Um, not only did they find out, I was stealing from the sisters in the congregation. Um, I was stealing their money so that I can support my addiction. At this time, I had lost my job and um, I was stealing so I can support me and Crack's addiction. And uh, what that means is uh, I can no longer associate with them and they can no longer associate with me. So if they saw me somewhere, they they wouldn't be able to talk to me and that means family members and to this day like that family member that reached out won't talk to me because she can't so the person that basically influenced you to come to kansas right. was a jehovah witness person yes ma'am okay. sir <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's ma'am sir it's ma'am <laughs> Okay, that's crazy. So then what else happens after you get excommunicated? So, like I said, I found meth. And so I, I, you know, meth gave me a little, like, it gave me a, a rush. Oh, man. We good. It gave me a rush. It picked me up. Made me think. It was like, go, go, go. It was a drug that I did not to, needed to be on. It was energetic on my own. You know? Oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And so um, I used to work at the quick shop in Richpeka, and I started embezzling uh, thousands of dollars from them um, in the form of cash, credits, um, lottery tickets, cigarettes, cell phones. And so I would trade these things for meth. And I just kept getting higher and higher and higher. And essentially, I got caught up and... Um, I went to jail and I got charged with felony embezzlement, uh, two counts. And um, I was facing some time in prison. This was my first brush of trouble with the law. I was very scared. Um, it's my first time, my few first times in jail. And um, luckily, um, I was able to take a plea deal for two misdemeanors, two theft misdemeanors and about 18 months of probation. And I did that. But then I met another guy. Mm. He liked meth too. And we liked it together. But I didn't like having sex on meth, like I said before. And it became problematic. So he started hitting me. And that um, started like the slew of abusive relationships with men. Um, and um, I, I always thought that I was the problem. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? Why can't you, can't you just love me? You know? And um, I caught a domestic because I beat his ass. Maybe he beat my ass first, but um, got him back. And um, that extended my probation. And it took me three years <laughs> to finish 18 months of probation. And, um, one time I failed the UA and, uh, I ended up in rehab. Mm-hmm. It's my first time in rehab. I didn't think, you know. And this was in Kansas, the rehab? Yes. It was in Maris, Topeka. Whoop, whoop. Did you go to Maris? Sure did. Hell yeah. Grateful for him. Mm-hmm. You want to put your face in the camera? No, sure don't. Okay. Girl. <laughs> Can we edit that part out? Oh, no. No. Now it's going in. But, um, <laughs> so I ended up in Mary's Treatment Center, and, you know, the pride and ego told me, I am not like these people. I am not like these people. Like, these people are junkies. Like, I don't want to be rude. It was like white trash. State funded. Yeah, like ghetto, ratchet, no teeth. Like, <laughs> I was too cute to be involved in a You feel me? But I was. And little did I know that, you know, I was that girl. I was that person. And I was too blind to see it. And it took me a good seven years. And so um, the next seven years involved a lot of... A lot of trial and error, a lot of research. Um, I got pregnant. I had a beautiful boy. Hi, Asher. That's my pride and joy. Um, You know, another, like, two more abusive relationships. Um, One of them was gaslighting, manipulating. (laughs) You remember that? We'll name him. Uh, Yeah. Do you remember, Sam? Yes, sure do. Were you there for that? Yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Mm. It wasn't as bad as Cullen. Mm. Mm. They all lessons, girl. They all lessons. Yeah, Cullen was the big lesson. Um, That was, like, ultimately the most abusive relationship that I had ever been in. But um, I'm really proud of myself for surviving that because, you know, I left him and I stayed gone. And I'm able to successfully co-parent with him, um, even though I hate his guts. That's okay. He's a great dad. And so that's all I could ever ask for is is for a father to, to my son, Asher. And so, yeah, I mean, here I am. So what's, um, Col- Cullen? Cullen. 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 Like Edward Cullen from, uh. Twilight. Yes. Okay, so that's like a pretty, uh, so there was drugs yes. involved. Physical violence. Mm -hmm. Sounds intense, right? And you said you left. What was it that allowed you to make that decision to leave? Um, I'm sure it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. I wanted to go back. I had a kid watching. You know, like, Cullen ended up going to jail for busting out my back window while Asher was in the back seat. And it's like, I had people watching me. And I had to move differently. I just had to. If I wanted something different, I just had to do different. 
And so um, I ended up doing Sober Living, mm. Oxford House. And boom. boom. <laughs> but um, I just had to do different. So what did you learn from that particular moment in your life? I learned that not everything is what it seems, you know. You're presented with a stage character and that person isn't truly who they say they are. Mm-hmm. And you just learn. And what did you learn about yourself? I learned that I'm a fucking survivor. Mm-hmm. That I'm a survivor and I'm a good mom and I'm an excellent partner. And um, I, I learned that I'm a tough cookie. It takes a, it takes a lot to bring this New Yorker down. That's right. I mean, so you left a significant relationship, right? That was abusive physically. Mm-hmm. There was drugs involved. Yes. You transitioned into a sober living. Yes. So then what happens from there? Um, You know, like this is my last scent of recovery, hopefully. Um, I live on my own. I have this gorgeous house. Um, I have an amazing job. And um, I'm a sponsor. And I'm an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. And so um, life has just been beautiful. It's been a real blessing. Um, It's been a lot of lessons. But um, I've just truly grown from the traumatic experiences that's been my life. You're really inspiring because a lot of the things you also said earlier, right? I think you mentioned stuff along the lines of like you're you feeling that your parents don't see you as as a child, right? Like you didn't receive that type of validation or love from them. You just wanted. What did you want from them exactly? I just wanted them to love me. You know, I'm your only fucking child. It's like I just wanted you to be my parents. That's all I needed. You know, it is my responsibility. You know, if I I brought Asher into this world, it is my absolute responsibility to love and teach this child good from bad. Point blank, period. If I can't handle this responsibility, now I'm going to make sure that somebody else does. Right? They, My mom couldn't even do that. She kept me. You know, she couldn't even do that. Mm-hmm. How was your um, experience in the foster uh, care system? Um, it was horrible. It was horrible. What were some things that you uh, went got have gone through? I I got jumped. I got my hair cut. I got gum thrown in my hair. Um, I've gotten my items stolen. I got raped. Um, I've been starved by foster families. I've been drugged. Um, yeah, it was pretty horrible. So do you ever look back? At that time, right? All the shit that you've gone through and go back now and, you know, give yourself a pat on the back at least. Um, I'm a survivor, you know. It takes a lot to bring me down. And, you know, I'm just tired of being strong. I am. Um, these days I don't have to be as strong. You know, um, I've I've been through a lot of stuff, but that's okay. That's okay. I'm a really resilient person. I mean, you truly are, girl. <laughs> to see, to witness you. It's only been like two days that she's been staying here. And it's been, like I said, I've legitimately had so much fun. And it's because you're so free <laughs> and fun. And you're just so blunt and transparent. Like, she will let you know how she feels. But it's always with love. And I, I'm so, so happy that you came. But I do want to talk about a little bit more about your sobriety now, right? So now you, you've gone through the steps, the 12 I steps. Have. You have a sponsee? I I have one sponsee. How is that? <laughs> it's um man, she's great. She does her work. Um, she asks questions. She takes notes. She's a better sponsee than I was a sponsee. Excuse me. And um, she's wonderful. Um, we're currently working through the first step right now of the big book, and she's just great. She does her assignments. She's young. She's pregnant. She works, and she has an autistic child. And I just, I just commend her. How important do you think uh, having a sponsee is for someone? In recovery um i think it's ab- absolutely important because just like i was talking about earlier um the point of replication is to pass along what's been so freely given to me and so in order for the unity and the growth of the fellowship and and the and uh yeah just the fellowship in order for it to grow we have to we have to create new members and by um, taking new members through the steps, we're doing that so that they can take new members and so on and so forth. 
What was the most mem- memorable step that you've gone through? Six and seven. Six and seven um, really whooped my ass. Um, it talks about uh, character defects and having God remove them. And so my higher power made my character defects so plainly obvious. Um, they just came up in like almost every aspect of my life to the point where I lost a job. I got into an argument with somebody at a job and I lost a job. You know, and so it was just a really painful experience in, in my life to to um, not be able to rely on myself to remove my character defects because I don't have that power. The only power, you know, the only power that I have is to ask for the power of my higher power to remove those character defects. And um, it just got so bad that I got anxiety from it. I got really suicidal. Um, I wanted to drive my car off of the interstate in Topeka. And so it, it enabled me, um, I sought outside help. Um, I'm actually in therapy and um, I take anxiety medication. Um, it just, you know, it just gave me a lot of anxiety, so. It seems like you're taking care of yourself very well. I try. You're doing therapy. Mm-hmm. It seems like you're very involved in the program. I am and you're getting outside help like you said Mm -hmm. i think that's so important and i'm going to speak on this just a little bit because i did my first year just like i was heavily involved in the staff now i can do a little bit more um as far as like the program goes i still go to meetings and stuff like that but i think i could definitely do a lot better um but i think it's so important for people to still remember that the the program is there but there's definitely other sources to help you out because we're not all the same right and i think things like therapy and outside help are super super important and you never know until you try them you know what i mean it's kind of like trial and error in my experience i mean i'm still figuring my shit out i'm fucking still like you were talking about character defects i have plenty Um, but the cool thing is now that I have awareness of them, you know what I mean? Because Absolutely. back in the day, I used to fully believe that I was a victim mm-hmm. and I would fall <laughs> on that. But now I'm fully aware that some of my defects <laughs> are, you know, just glaring out and um, I'm aware of them. It's not easy. And like you said, the only, the only, um, I like your hat. Thanks. I was really <laughs> I really feel like uh, the only thing that can remove them from me is a uh, higher power and like some type of like consistent work. Yes. To like be mindful of them. Mm-hmm. It's not fucking easy. So how the fuck no. do you stay uh, stay sane in sobriety? How do I stay? I pray. You know, um, that was six and seven were the most difficult steps that I endured. Um, my favorite step is step 11. Um, we sought through prayer and meditation um, to essentially get closer to our higher power. And so um, I do a lot of meditation. Mm-hmm. I've been off my game being on vacation. I didn't bring my meditating rocks with me. Um, but I do a lot of meditation. You know, I, I'm i not all zen like like, you know, none of that. Um, I do a guided five-minute meditation in the morning that helps me rise. I stretch and I pray and I just try to stay in conscious contact with my higher power throughout the day. I do a spot check throughout the day. And so I make amends if necessary. Um, I make them immediately. And um, I really like step 11 because it's like opened me up more spiritually to be closer to a higher power, you know? And I never thought that I would have that connection with a God. ever again because you know being a jehovah's witness um i was taught that god will smite me that i will die on this earth but you know the book teaches us that god your your concept first of all that you can pick any concept of a higher power that you want i don't recommend a door uh, a doorknob i just don't just aim a little higher you're worth it aim a little higher <laughs> you know um the book states that your higher power has to be loving and caring and and you know i just um what brings me closer to my higher power is uh trying to emulate uh those positive traits in which I want to be. I want to be loving and caring and forgiving. I want to be helpful. I want to be empathetic. You know, I want to be grateful. And um, 
Yeah. Me too, girl. Yes. Me too. Yes. What are some of the... Um, Uh, okay, so, sorry y'all, technical difficulties. I don't know, I'm really um, obsessed with the whole like awareness of the character defects and the inner work. Um, how long have you been taking therapy? I've been taking therapy um, since September of last year, so a few months now. When do you notice that you start like getting quote unquote results from it. Cause I've had stints of therapy sporadically throughout my sobriety. And I don't know if it's just cause I get impatient, but I'm like, mm -hmm. fuck this, I ain't gonna go like anymore. You know what I mean? Mm, How do I, you do that? I think I notice when this stuff is working is when my reaction to things are changing. Um, I'm really, I'm really quick tempered, um, hot headed, just, uh, don't think before I act. Um, and so these days I'm not really like that. Um, these days I feel that therapy um, has has given me the tools to, to problem solve and to be mindful and be more grounded and to think before I act. And so, you know, um, having those life-changing uh, qualities, um, feeling those things out has uh, is definitely a result of therapy. That's amazing. See, like for me, I feel like I relate to a lot of what you said right now. I'm really quick to react, mm -hmm. really hot headed. That's the Hispanic. But like you already know. But I try I try to mediate it. But like <laughs> I feel a lot. A lot. And like I the thing is, over time I have been able to kind of like decrease the longevity of how i feel stuff so for instance if something irritates me i've noticed that i will keep it here and i'll get over it but then it comes back mm. you know it's a resentment you or have some, to deal with it yeah or sometimes I, I it doesn't take that long like it'll be i'll be mad for like 10 minutes and then i'll get over it but it used to be Bitch, I always be mad at you the whole time. Mm -hmm. It don't matter what you did. And you just walking around, the other person don't give a damn. Hey, they sure don't, bitch. Mm -hmm. They sure fucking like, don't. Like, la di da I'm gonna go by my death. You're just fuming, so, taking that poison. So big things that have helped you. Therapy, the program. And yes. I, I hear you talk a lot about a higher power. Absolutely. Tell us about your higher power. I just call my higher power God. You know, I try to keep it simple. Um, my higher power is absolutely amazing. Um, I did not have the power to stop and stay stopped on drugs and alcohol. You know, it literally got to the point this last go around. I was using it against my will. It's like I wanted to stop so bad, but I, I just couldn't. You know, I just couldn't. And so one day I just stopped. One day I stopped and I stay stopped for the amount of time that I've been sober, right? And it's like, how in the fuck did I do that when before, when I wanted to, I just couldn't. But then one day I could and I did. That's not my power. That is God doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Absolutely. 100%. 1 million percent. I agree. I had the same shit. Mm -hmm. Like I've been relapsing for a hot ass minute. There was just this one night. I didn't even believe myself when I said I was driving home drunk. And I said, bitch, do you want to keep putting your life on hold? I said, no. So I was like, God, just please, like, just let me not just do any more drugs after tonight. And I, and I, I was convinced that that was going to happen. But I knew in the back of my house, like, I know I'm going to get high like, in a few weeks. And I did it. And I really do believe that something greater than myself just aligned everything that needed yes. to be aligned to make it at least a little bit more difficult yes. for me to fucking drink or get high. Yes. Bitch, I've had times where I would literally, there was days I was committed to get high. Like I was driving all around the city and I was sober. I'm like, bitch, calling everybody and nobody had any fucking pills. Nobody had anything. And I went home so mad. But then I woke up the next day, I'm like, that was God. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So what kind of advice do you have for people that are currently in the in those grips of addiction? that really, you know, like you said, um, are using or drinking against their will. It's not, it's it's super hard. What do you have, what kind of words do you have for them? Mm, in their addiction? 
go to detox you know if you're sick and tired just go to detox and um give yourself a chance give yourself a chance to get like three four days you know and um when you're clear-headed and all of that stuff is out your system and hopefully you can make a different choice you know because you are if you're listening to this now you're so worth it like you are are. so enough and um just you know if you're presented with an opportunity to do better do better because we're literally what three deaths in one week yeah we recently had three deaths in one week Mm mm-hmm uh, due to, I believe, fentanyl or some type of opiate, opioid overdose. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting very dangerous. Um, I mean, people are dying every day. You know, what I mean? yes. it doesn't matter where you're at. This thing is taking over. So if you are listening to this, and you're like, I just go back to myself because I would listen or watch these type of things while I was literally using, and I just couldn't picture myself. Like just taking that next right step towards the right direction. And what if this is muted? No, it ain't, boo. Okay. But thank you. <laughs> so let me take <laughs> taking that next right step. Like I don't know. Can you go back? Like, because you said you were you were using against your will. How hard would you describe it as someone who doesn't know what addiction feels like? Because a lot of people will just tell you, "Well, bitch, stop using. Just don't put the pipe in your mouth." Like, do you agree it's that easy? No, absolutely not. It's kind of like um, your cell phone. It's like you want to put it down, but you're constantly checking it, checking it, checking it, thinking about it, thinking about it, right? That's what it's like. You know, it's like you want to, but you just you just can't. And you make these plans and these resolutions like, I'll quit tomorrow, I'll quit tomorrow, I'll quit tomorrow, and tomorrow just never comes. That's right. There's no perfect timing for this shit. I mean, I remember the second time I went to rehab, like we had literally scheduled for me to go to rehab the next day. And I was just waiting. It was like till 2 p.m. And I and I kept like calling people before I went to rehab to fucking go use. And it's just like this like window frame, this like time frame that you just need to make it really small, right? Because it's it's just so fucking hard but just know that you can definitely do it and it honestly it sounds fucking cheesy but it really is one day at a time absolutely it really fucking is all mm-hmm. that counts is right now amen because i'm telling you girl i i smoked autumn i didn't smoke a lot of pills but i definitely snorted a lot of pills mm-hmm. and did all them drugs and sometimes i really can't believe how that i'm here right now com- in comparison to how it was like if i got what i deserved i'd be dead yeah, I think we should all be dead, honestly. Yeah. So change your life, baby. I know you're listening right now. <laughs> change your life. Change your life. It's okay. So what about for the people who say things like, oh, well, I don't have money to go to rehab or detox? Um, There are literally, like, state-funded and government-funded programs that will take you for free. All the times that I've been to rehab, I've gone for free. So thank you. For all those uh, federally funded programs who allow a junkie like me to fucking go in there for free. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of resources out there. So Mm -hmm. there are no excuses, baby. If you was on TikTok right now, if you was on YouTube, you can definitely go to a, a link. I have a lot of links on my TikTok page. You can just literally put addiction help. You can definitely get uh, connected to the right people. Or you can just email me. And I'm obviously connected with a lot of people that have gone through exactly what you're going through right now. Um, So anything else you need to say? Actually, I want to talk about, because you said you was in love, baby. Let's talk about the love life and sobriety. So tell tell, tell us really quick about your love life. Uh, How is that like? Yes. Okay. Um. I don't know. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. It really is. It's like I've been in love before and um I just you know, he treats me so good. He's so kind and considerate and um really communicative. Is that a word? I think it's a word. Mm-hmm. Really communicative and just um just so all around a good guy. He's responsible amazing lover (laughs) Mm. 
So the day good. We got the day good, baby. Ooh, okay, okay. You be putting it down. So you be busting it open for a real one? Mm-hmm. Popping that pussy wide. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bitch. I mean, it's so different when you have feelings for someone, right? Yeah. Like, it's so genuine. I don't know. I I love, well, because when I was doing drugs, I was not interested in, in sex. No. I just was not. So it was like a whole, it was a lot of years where I was just not doing shit. So now it's like, it's just, I feel like it's another form of expression and another form to like connect with someone especially since you like literally feel everything everything yes. you know what i mean so it's really good so what else do you like is he in the program he is okay he has three years three years yeah shout out to you brother yes okay. hi brandon i love you okay brandon i see you let's get him on a podcast too okay next Shit, time we'll connect with his ass too yeah. uh, y'all coming right Okay. I am for sure. I told him when, so I'll orchestrate the whole thing. You know, I'm a planner, so. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy for you. Thank I, you. I can I can see and feel your joy, and I'm so honestly really proud. I didn't know that you went through a lot of those things. It it must be something really difficult to go through, and a lot of like the childhood stuff kind of resonated with me, and I know how difficult that can be, even now sometimes. You know, because sobriety isn't easy. No. Um. I always have to remind myself personally that I literally went from years of numbing my feelings to like jumping into trying to figure out who the fuck I am and why the fuck I feel the way I do. Mm -hmm. And not everything is always going to be perfect. Right. And it isn't in sobriety. Okay. It really isn't. I also really quick just want to talk about your son. Because he's so cute. I know. He's so big now. How involved has he been? Um, in your recovery? Um, my son has absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. I wouldn't be where I'm at. I wouldn't be as mature as I am if it wasn't for having my son. Um, you know, they say don't do it for your kids, do it for yourself. But when I don't have the energy and I can't even muster up anything to keep going, Asher is my life source and absolutely keeps me going. I mean, being his mom is just like the most amazing thing in my life that I have ever encountered. And I'm just so blessed. Um, and I'm so lucky to have him. I love that little boy so much and he loves me too. And just, he's bad. He's two years old. He got his spend the night bag ready. Come get him. No, I'm like, <laughs> bring him back. No, he's super sweet when I saw him. And mm-hmm. I have to say, I I just have a, like a very soft spot for any mom or dad that's sober. Because I know that's its own thing. Yes. I, I, I hope I get to experience having a kid one day. But, you know, I think it's amazing what you're doing for not only yourself, but for him. I'm sure he'll appreciate seeing you just keep recovering for the remainder of your life. Because that's the best thing that any parent can do for their child. Absolutely. Just fucking be there. I get and be to be sober. present. And I'll be, and I'll be at, the, at the parking lot of a Filibertos to get some cocaine while I wait in the car. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to you, Dad. Mm. I'm going to cut that one out. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I don't know. I think it was a lot of good things. But of course, if you have anything else to say, any shout outs, anybody listening right now, any special shout words. Shout out to my sponsor. Yeah, shout out to Terry. your sponsor, Terry. Thank you shit. for putting up with my shit. You're that bitch. You're that bitch, Terry. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say shout out to the newcomer. You are the most important person. Um, I know I remember very vividly what it's like to come back. I remember what it's like to be new. Just keep going, you know. Don't don't stop because the miracle is right there. You know, and you are a miracle. It's not easy getting that 30, 60, 90 days. It fucking sucks. But just keep going. The trajectory of your life will be forever changed. If you just give yourself a chance to give yourself a break, it's not easy. You're not always going to get that job. You're not always going to get the boyfriend. Things are things are going to happen. People are going to die. And um, think life is going to go on. But it's not worth picking up over. I mean, your life is so valuable. It's so precious. And you're so worth it. So just give yourself a break. And, and try something out 
your, you know, your misery is fully refundable. Give yourself some time. And if you don't like being recovered, you can go back out. I mean, yeah, I like that you bring that up too, like relapse and stuff like mm-hmm. that, because obviously I relapsed a lot. And some things that I always felt was like, obviously, I was really embarrassed. Mm-hmm. I felt like, like they were sick of my shit. But that's yeah. really, I mean, probably they were sick of my shit. Talking about relapse. Mm-hmm. Just let them know that it's not a big deal. Like if you relapse, you can definitely learn from that. Right? Or what do you think about it? Um, relapse is not a part of recovery. If you've ever heard that before, I wholeheartedly, one million percent do not agree that relapse is a part of recovery. Relapse is a lack of recovery. It's okay. It's okay. Come back anyways. You know, um, come back anyways. It's better over here. You know, and, and it's hard. I've had to tuck my tail between my coochie many, many times and come in and I felt such shame and guilt. But um, hopefully you found a home group, you found a meeting in which the members are welcoming and you and they're able to, to pick you up and you can just pick up where you left off. Um, just come back, please. I'm begging you. Please just we come back. We begging you, baby. Just come back. I'm begging you. What you say? Relapse. It's not a part of recovery. recovery. However, don't, don't dwell on it. You look at these two bitches right here. Look at us. We recover now, yeah. and we definitely relapse, right? Yeah, times. a few times. So just over get many whatever, years. just get whatever you learn because you definitely learn from that experience, mm-hmm. and then make this time your fucking bitch and prove all the mother bitches that think that you can't stay sober. Show them the fuck up, and you yes. can do it, baby. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Any last words before our cameraman got to go home? Like the Fuck the police. That's no, right. I'm playing. I love y'all. No, y'all be fucking taxing on the motherfucking tickets. <laughs> Officer Parrot. I still see you, Officer Parrot. Motherfucker. You know, Officer Parrot was the reason that I ultimately, well, it wasn't the reason. He gave me a ticket for speeding and I never paid that ticket, which reminds me of the like ticket cost for a ticket. And I like lost, uh, got my driver's license suspended and then that's how I got like fired from my radio job and then that's when I started using more drugs and all that shit. So actually, Officer Parrot, thank you for giving me that ticket. Anyway, well, thank you again. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute honor. Thank you again for just making this weekend super magical and exciting and recovery driven and just super fun. I love you. I love you. We love y'all. And one more time for all the bitches in the bag. We 